to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Hey, how you guys doing? Thank you, Joe. Give it up for Joe. What a dude. He also does t-shirts out there, so you'll see him at the booth. Um, how are you guys doing? You guys doing all right? I know how it is. It's hot out there. It's been hot. It's the hum drum of the sum sum, right? It gets tiring. It really does. Life does. It gets hard. And uh, I know a lot of you guys are dealing with stuff. And I feel for you because I am one who's also dealt with stuff, but yet even though life gets hard, even though there are things that we have to deal with, even though there are personalities and people that we have to deal with, right? Some of them, you see them in the mirror when you wake up in the morning, right? That's the, that's the biggest foe. Even though we have to deal with all this stuff and all these people, there's still God on the throne. And, and he's our father, Right? I love that Jesus explains that God is our Father. And when he says to pray and come to him, you know, acknowledge him first as Father. Our Father. That's the first, that's, those are the first two words in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. Who art in heaven. You're in heaven. And hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But just acknowledging him and realizing that he is our Father, but he's also God who is in control of everything, it makes you, um, I don't know about you, but it makes me just take a deep breath, like a, it's going to be okay, right? Anxiety is real, fear is real, the devil unfortunately is real, but we have a God who's much, 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 much more powerful, right? So today we're talking about family values. Uh, I, I, I chose this, this photograph um, of a daughter hugging her mom because, uh, not because I'm just talking about families like mothers and children and uh, fathers and children and, 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 you know, I'm not talking about just that family unit. I'm talking about the entire family unit, the church, us, right? But I chose this photo because it's, it's, a, it's a human being clinging to another human being. And I love that idea because it is not a weak thing for us to do that. Even grown men cling to each other. Have you ever seen guys that haven't seen each other for a long time and they give each other big bro hugs? Have you seen this? It's a beautiful thing, right? And it's okay. It's not feminine. It's, not, uh, it's actually a very masculine thing to cling on to another human being. Have you ever seen somebody who is uh, drowning and somebody else grabs them and holds on to them? And saves them, right? That is a human being clinging on to another human being, right? There are moments where we have to cling on to each other as we cling on to God. 
And so today, that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about building a strong foundation under the guise of family values. But we're going to start with some photos and have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to show you guys a uh, photo here, and um, I want you to guess what that is. What is that? Do you guys know what that is? Looks like my lawn, actually. Uh, <laughs> the sprinklers aren't working as well as they used to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's some grass, right? And you can tell that it's grass. And, you know, if anybody would ask, what is this? You would say, that's some grass, okay? Now let's zoom out a little bit more. Now, what it, where is this grass at? All right, so let's zoom out a little bit more, right? So yeah, it's a baseball field, probably a high school baseball field. Uh, reminds me of high school. I loved baseball. It was my favorite sport in the whole wide world. But you can see the entire picture now. So when it's zoomed in, you see just a little tiny patch of grass. And when you zoom out, you see the entire uh, baseball field. Let's do one more. Okay, what is this? You guys know? Ah, this is kind of fun, right? What is this? What is it? Okay, so let's zoom out a little bit more. What do you think? What is it? Okay, let's zoom out one more time. It's ice cream. Yeah. All right, I got a question for you guys. Serious question. What's better, dwarves or rosemaries? Oh, I can fight about it in the parking lot. <laughs> They're both good. They're both good. Yeah, somebody said Baskin Robbins. What, where? Who? What? So was it 1985? Um, <laughs> I want to turn really quickly to Joshua chapter 3, 1 through 4, and I want to read you guys um, a little excerpt of a story. So the, the, the backdrop of this is uh, Moses had led the children out of Israel, and he had passed away and pass the torch on to Joshua, and Joshua is going to lead the people over uh, into the promised land, okay? And the, the priests are giving, uh, were giving um, some, uh, you know, uh, direction from God, and this is, this is that direction that, that they're giving the people, okay? So it says, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out uh, from, it's a bad word, uh, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. Okay? Now I want you to see this. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. There, yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, in length. Now, how long is 2,000 cubits in length? It's about six-tenths of a mile, okay? So the glory of the Lord was, was held in uh, the Ark of the Covenant, right? And so these, these, these priests carried it, and, and, but the rule was that the people had to, had to follow about six-tenths of a mile away. And it says, do not come near it in order, okay? This is really important. In order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Now, the reason that I showed you those photos and the reason that I read this is because I want us to understand the importance of taking a step back sometimes, right? Some of us are so used to the daily grind. We're so used to being in the details, being in the thick of it, right? You jump right in and you're working and you're working and you're working, but how, how often do we step back and evaluate the wider picture, the wider perspective? Where are we going? Right? I, I believe that, that they, uh, the children of Israel were watching this ark go up a mountain. And then they'd say, okay, now we need to go up that mountain 
right? They would watch the ark go cross, across a field. They'd say, okay, now we need to go across that field. And they'd watch the ark cross the river and say, okay, that's, that's how they did it. Now we need to do it. So they would step back and they would see how things are going. So two simple questions for you today, okay? Simple questions I think are the most profound sometimes. Let me ask you this. Where are you today? And where are you headed? Think about that. How often do we think about that? That's what is beautiful about coming together with a bunch of believers. We can sit here and we can think about those questions, right? Where are we today? Where are we going? Together, as a church. Because we do go together, don't we? It's not the Lone Ranger, the hero, right? We, we have these stories where... Um, you know, the hero goes out and does his own thing, comes back and saves everyone. And, and, and those are beautiful stories. But the truth is, the church of God is us, and we, we roll together. We go together, right? And we have a hero, and his name's Jesus, right? Um, so I want to talk to you guys today about this in terms of family. Now, the Greek word for family is oikos. And, um, and basically, it's like, a, it's like uh, people that live under the same household, right? Um, and so... I realize that many of you are in the same, uh, a lot of you guys are in the same uh, stage of life that I'm in in some respect. Like you have children in your home still, right? I have little ones. I have a three-year-old, uh, Romy. Hi, Romy. And Olive. Hi, Ro- hi Olive. Uh, they're watching um, from, uh, from the couch right now because I blocked them in with the truck on accident. Um, sorry about that, honey. Um, but, but my kids... I, I are my my number one. My my wife is my number one. Like, like my family, the people that live in my household, that's the core of my family, right? And then outside of that, I have a church family. I have friends and people that I have lifelong bonds with, right? And outside of that, I have the entire church. Outside of that, I have all Christians, right? And so that's my loyalty. My loyalty with Jesus at the center of that. But that's my family, right? So I talk about family a lot here because I believe that this is the whole purpose of coming to church. So the whole purpose of getting together on a Sunday morning is to bring the family together. This is our living room. This is our home. Uh, and we and it's your home just as much as it is my home, and we are together as a family. But in the context of this large church, we have multiple campuses. We have Tehachapi, High Tehachapi. We have Northwest, High Northwest. We have Springville, High Springville. We have uh, all these different pods all over. We have people watching in their homes, uh, and then we have this large sanctuary full of people. But yet we are a family, right? And it, within that large family, there are smaller core family members that I believe we are very much uh, connected to and called to be loyal to, right? And um, I have these friends, and they have um, come through me ministering at the church. Like, we would do ministry together uh, years and years ago. I've been doing it for decades. And these friends have become family to me. They really have. And I'm going to bring one of my uh, family members out a little bit later. Uh, but, but I have this family that is even beyond my, my home. Now, some of you guys, uh, I understand you're single or you don't have children in the home. Uh, but, but you still have, a, I, hope, I hope that you still have a church family. And if you're saying, no, I'm lonely, I don't have that, then I would encourage you to get involved somehow, some way. Talk to somebody in the foyer. There's somebody in there. Uh, Al will help you. Where's Al at? He's somewhere walking around, probably running around, finding. He's probably plugging somebody in right now to something, right? There are people out there that will help you. 
right? And so um, get plugged in. Just start serving. This choir up here, they're like a family. They do barbecues together. They hang out together. They, they have these deep bonds because they realize that we are part of something very big, very important, right? And so it's important that we understand that. Now, I want to read to you guys um, the solid foundation part. It's Luke 6, 47 through 49. Luke 6, 47 through 49. It says, everyone who comes to me, this is Jesus, and he's speaking at the very end of his sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes, okay? So he's given uh, all of these words and all of this uh, teaching to the people that are sitting along the mountainside there. And it says this, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, okay, which is, which is kind of an important part. You, you don't just hear. You do them. You, you make them a part of your lifestyle, right? It says, I will show you what that person is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. Who dug deep, right? He didn't just kind of throw it together. He dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So he dug deep. Not only did he dig deep, he dug deep in rock, which I assume is pretty difficult to do, right? Especially back then when they just had chisels and hammers, right? So they dug deep in the rock. It was work, and it was hard, and their fingers bled, and it wasn't always pleasant. But they dug deep, right? And it said when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house, it could not shake it. That house was unshakable, right? Because it had been well built. Now, our lives are just like this house, or they're like the other house that was kind of just thrown together on soft dirt. And when the storm came and the floods came, that house just crumbled down. And how many of you guys have been through that before where you just kind of, you were just living. You were just living. It was unintentional. It was just, ah, it'll be fine. And then the storm comes and it falls and it falls to the ground. And you have to rebuild, right? And then it comes and it knocks it down and then you have to rebuild. And then it comes and knocks it down. You have to rebuild. And it comes and knocks it down. You have to rebuild. Wait, let me ask you this. Which one is more work? It's much more work to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. And it's much easier to build your house on a firm, solid foundation. Now, I believe that the, Mount of, uh, the Sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes was the foundational message for Jesus. I think that Jesus came on the scene and said, this is what I represent. This is who I am. And if you go through and you read through the Mount of Beatitudes, the sermon, it's all about how we act toward each other and how we, and how we show God to each other. Really, that's what it's all about. I mean, you can go through and read it yourself, and I, and I encourage you to do that. We don't have the time to do it today. But go back and read through uh, Matthew uh, 6, uh, 7. Uh, go, go back and read through uh, Luke 5 and 6. Go, ha- go ahead and check that out because it's, it, it's really all about relationships, it's all about how we treat each other. And, of course, Jesus would come back around and show us that we can't even do it on our own, that we need him, right? Because he is at the center. And so Jesus represents him coming and saving us from our sins and saving us from ourselves so that we could have relationships, solid relationships with each other and with God, right? Simple. It's really simple. It really is. I think sometimes we overcomplicate it, right? And so... Um, I want to share with you guys right now kind of what Jesus represents to me. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And, of course, I have the, you know, 
the churchy answer, the, the, um, the kind of canned answer. What does Jesus represent? Well, it's salvation, you know, going to heaven, all this stuff, right? But I, I sat down and I really thought about it and, and I took scripture. And I want to share that with you guys real quick because he is at the center of the family structure, right? So what Jesus represents to me is, one, he represents abundant life. John 10.10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's, his, that's his gig. The thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That we would have life and have it abundantly. You know what abundant life means? It, means? it means that you're happy, that you're flourishing, that things are going well. See, God actually cares about you. He actually wants you to have a good life. He doesn't want you to suffer all the time. He wants you to live a life where you can just fully trust him and fully kind of be in the flow of things. Where, you know, when life comes, it doesn't get too difficult. Kind of like that house that's built on the solid rock foundation. He wants us to live like that. When the storms come, they just come. We sit back in our, in our lazy, lazy boy chair and we watch the rain, right? We watch it pass because we know it's going to pass. Second thing that Jesus represents to me is eternal life. Right? John 3, 14 through 17 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Eternal life with God. I don't know about you, but if my house is built upon a rock and I know that I'm going to be living with God forever, whatever storm comes my way, I'm just going to sit back and just whatever happens, happens, man. Right? Because anything that can happen on this earth is nothing compared to eternity. Right? He represents healing to me. You can see that all throughout the Gospels. He represents good, solid teaching to me. You can see that all throughout the Gospels. Um, there's a new word that, uh, well, it's an old word, but it's a word that I was reintroduced to uh, recently. And the word is propitiation, right? Which means reconciling with God. First uh, John 2.2 says this. He is the propitiation, which means reconciliation, uh, for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Because Jesus died and took upon our sins, we can be reconciled to God through him. Have you guys ever been in a relationship with somebody and things just weren't going well, right? Or maybe things were going terribly bad, but that person extended forgiveness and love to you. I've been in that position. And when a relationship is reconciled, it's a beautiful thing. Now, when our relationship with God is reconciled, it's life itself. All of a sudden, we have the ability to fully connect with God again. Whether you believe it or not. Some of you guys don't. Some of you are like, I, don't, I can't connect with God at all. He's, he's silent. Well, how hard are you knocking, you know? And I'm speaking to myself too. I mean, how hard are we knocking? I think that when we were young, the, 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 prayer, the answered prayers were much easier because we were young. We were babies, right? But as you grow and as you get older, I think God makes it a little harder. He challenges us a little bit. He doesn't want us to be spoiled, right? So he challenges us. 
So we'll knock a little bit harder. So we'll stay, so we'll persevere. So we'll get tougher, right? So we'll keep saying, God, where are you? I, I need you. I need you. And maybe God will say, read that whole chapter of that book of the Bible. And you'll be like, ah, the whole chapter. It's a little bit of work, right? And as you get older, the work kind of, it becomes more intentional. Let's put it that way. One of the last things that Jesus represents for me, and there's many more, but these are just a few that I can share today, is freedom. Galatians 5.1, right? One of my favorite verses. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Right? Like, many of us have been in the chains of sin, right? We've been stuck. Can't get out. Can't go anywhere, right? But he's freed us from those chains. And we're like, oh, it's free. we're free. This is nice, right? But, but some of us, want, we, we want to go back and we want to put the chains back on, right? Like, like they don't even work anymore. They're broken, but you, you try to put them on. Why? Why would we do that? When he has freed us, right? The first family I was reading about um, Adam and Eve and their three sons. You guys know they had three sons, not just two, right? Cain, Abel, and Seth, right? They had three sons. And I was reading about how dysfunctional that first family was. I mean, really, the first template we had, full dysfunction, man. But God asks a question to Cain that I find so simple but so profound. After Cain kills his brother in anger because he's jealous of Abel, God simply asks him a question. He says, where's your brother? And I, and I think that that question is so telling for us too. Because maybe we haven't murdered each other yet, but Jesus says if we are even angry with our brother, if we call him a fool, it's the same as murder. He actually says that in the, Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes, right? How many people have we been upset with or angry with? But God, if you were here today, would you say, hey, or if Jesus walked into this room, say, where's your brother? Where's your brother? Where's your sister? Where's your family? I know that I know that I know that some of you have family members that are hurting right now. They may be sitting in the seat next to you, but where are they? Where are they? You have to ask these tough questions. You can't just assume. Not when it comes to eternal life, not when it comes to the grace and the glory of God and what he's doing, right? Where's our brother? Well, I'll tell you where my brother is. He's in the back, and he's going to come out right now. I'm going to have Vince Sierra come out, and um, I'm going to ask him a couple of questions because he is uh, somebody who I've been doing ministry with for a long time. We met in high school, and we met under uh, the circumstances of us causing trouble together. But as we got older, we developed something that was even deeper than a friendship. It's more like a brotherhood. And we developed that through doing ministry together. Yeah. So years ago, you used to drive your beat-up old S10, right? <laughs> it wasn't that beat-up. It was Come pretty on, bad. It broke, you broke down in Baker one time. So he used to drive it to Vegas to do youth ministry, and then he would drive back home, right? And one time he broke down in Baker and had to stay in Baker in one of those nice little hotels. It's not where you <laughs> want to break down, just so you know. 
<laughs> I always thought that story was funny. This but this is before you had like an iPhone <laughs> and you can navigate to a better hotel or call a roadside. Like I didn't have a cell phone. I don't. This think. was back in the early 2000s. I might have had a pager. Yeah, you might have. Good, yeah. You might have. Yeah, which would have done you absolutely no good. Um, but Vince has had a heart for God forever. He and I um, are kind of known as the troublemakers around here uh, amongst the staff, I think, because we're always questioning things. But our intentions are good. We want, um, we want this church to be as strong as possible. And we want it to be built on a very strong foundation. And so, yeah. uh, Vince, I'm just going to ask you a couple quick questions. And I really wanted to just introduce him to you guys if you don't know him. Uh, he and I are really good friends, but he's also leading, helping me lead the church uh, moving forward. And in this transition, uh, my dad is, he'll be back next week, okay, which is exciting. It's, it's awesome. And he will always be here to lead until he just literally, he says he's going to die on the pulpit. I hope he doesn't. I, really, I hope not either, I really yeah. hope he doesn't do that. <laughs> But he's always going to be around. He's not going anywhere. Uh, but he is allowing us to kind of take uh, take the the helm. And so when I say when I say us, mostly it's mostly this guy right here. And uh, so please pray for him. So I'm going to ask yeah, you a couple quick sure. questions, Vince. Right. What um, what do you hope to see for this church? What do you hope to see happen? I have notes, so I know they scare you. Okay, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, that's right. No, no, it's cool. He asked me to come out, and um, one of the questions he asked, what do I see for the next five years? And that's loaded. I could spend the next 30 minutes talking to you guys about um, just vision and what I got, what I see God doing. Um, but honestly, in just so simplicity, it's just unity and love. Um, Josh talked about that today. And he actually shared John 3.16, but I have First uh, John 3.16, and it says this. It says, we know by this that he laid down his life for us and that we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren, um, that we lo love one another. So love is huge, that we lay down our lives for one another. And what does that look like? Um, lately I've been praying and, I, and I've just been like the thing that's just been resonating in my heart. We went to a conference um, maybe in the spring and the words, the least of these um, kept resonating, kept happening. And I knew God right then and there, like God just impressed the words, the least of these on my heart, because I want to be a least of these church. And, and that has to do with loving one another. In Matthew 25, Jesus um, talks about the least of these, and there's this idea um, that there's going to be a judgment at the end of time. And you can look at it as a good thing or a bad thing. But in that time, he, he um, says to the people, you can pull those verses up for me, Sandy. Um, he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come who are blessed of my Father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Just let these words sit in. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when, do, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did this to, to these brothers of mine, even the least of them, the least of these, you did it to me. And I want to be, I know, that's just such a powerful scripture because I want to be a church that not only extends, just comes here and, you know, it's good to fill ourselves up and edify and that's all good. But what Josh talked about today, extending our love to one another, that we are able to lay down our lives for one another as we're here in this sanctuary, but to extend that out past the wall. I'm excited about plus one 
because the plus one allows us to love the least of these. I'm excited about the mission stuff in Africa because it allows us to love the least of these. I'm excited about going into the neighborhoods and doing the block parties because it allows us to love the least of these. And so our vision really going into the fall is we want to be a church that is there to love the least of these. And so uh, for the next five years, if you you don't hear anything from me, it's all about loving God but the least of these. Well, I think you kind of answered both of my other questions, too. Um, what am I passionate about? But that's good. I'm glad you came prepared, Vince. Um, I know this guy's heart. He grew up in the hood right around the corner. Um, <laughs> Everything I, I drove a beat-up truck, and I grew up in the hood. Yeah. I did grow up in the hood, though, yeah, so very, that's good. Very sad story. I, I do um, want to – can I share one more thing? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, wanna, yeah, I, just, yeah. I know. I'm going to get you out of here. I just – one thing that was on my heart. I was also thinking about just, like, time and patience because I know one of the things that happens when we come to church – is our expectations for people. I know like some of you guys are looking at us and maybe you're thinking today like, you guys aren't pastor on. And it's true. We are not pastor on. But I promise you, we are praying and God is doing a work in us. And, and, and it's slow. We, we, have, we have this orange tree in our backyard. My wife planted this baby orange tree. Um, in, uh, she bought this orange tree from Home Depot. I'm like, it's never going to produce oranges. And she's like, we'll see. And so it's first year, like, just kind of sort of withering. I'm like, it's going to die. Like, let's just cut it down now. Like, we have an orange tree that we don't need. And then, like, year two, it got a little bit bigger. I'm like, oh, I don't know, babe. Like, it's just, and she's like, it's going to give a shade. I'm like, this tree is going to die. Like, our backyard looks like Josh's grass. Like, let's get real, right? And then, um, and so then, like, year three, it finally started getting flowers. And she's like, those flowers are supposed to turn into oranges. Now, it would be crazy for me to be like, they will never turn into oranges. Let's start cutting all those flowers off now because they're never going to be oranges. And I feel like for some of us, we're a bunch of flowers or a bunch of buds that are about to be oranges, but we're not there yet. Now, some of you guys are oranges. Some of you guys are, God is doing a work in you and it's evident you can see it. But some of us are still flowering into something God wants us to be. And so be patient for the person that is still flowering, that is still developing, that is still growing. It is so important that we come in here with a lot of grace for one another because we are not going to become the oranges if the righteous people continue to cut us off when we don't have a chance to grow. And so be patient with one another. Have grace for one another and love one another. Sorry, I had to say that. I was like, what was really what was on my heart? The reason... um the reason I share with you guys uh, kind of Vince's background and backdrop is because he was kind of like one of the lost sheep. You know, he, he, he had a calling at a young age and, um, and you know, some people reached out to him and, and made sure that he stayed part of the flock, didn't judge him, said, hey, you're part of this, you know. And uh, I had this philosophy my whole life was like, treat everyone like they're a child of God because they truly are, right? And if you do that, then people are likely to come. And that means that people are going to come that might make us feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, right? This guy had blue hair and Doc Martens, you know? Like it was, he made people uncomfortable. But, um, but the, the work that God did in his life, it's funny, the orange tree thing is funny because um, you were negative about the orange tree. Usually he's really positive and I'm really negative. Yeah. But uh, you were negative about that. But yet it was God showing you that he, he's doing something. And Big it's time. like you don't make you don't make uh, an orange tree grow. You don't force it. You don't stand out there and and and, and yell at it or <laughs> preach at it or whatever, right? You, you, you just yell at your wife. You literally you yell at your wife. I'm just kidding. But I'm you literally kidding. can just you, you throw the water on. You do your part, right. and it grows. And that is the miracle of what is going to happen. It is happening at this church, right? One hundred percent. All right. Well, hey, pray us out, and um, and we're excited to see what's going to happen in the All next right. uh, couple of years. Let's do this. Lord, we just thank you so much just for your grace and your love. And as Josh talked about today, just 
that you died for us, Lord. And as we read in 1 John, and it says that what does that love look like? Not only did you die for us, Lord, but our response is that we die to one another, Lord, that we're able to lay down our own lives, Lord, for the people around us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just empower us, Lord, to be a least of these church, Lord, that we're there not only for ourselves, Lord, we're not just here to build ourselves up, Lord, but we're here, Lord, for one another, Lord, and we truly want that to be our heart, Lord. I just pray, Lord, today as we're here, Lord, and we're that we're hearing your words, Lord, that if we need grace, that we would accept it, Lord. If we need love, that we would accept it, Lord. That if we need you, Lord, that we would accept you. And if you're here today and you need prayer, you feel like you need that grace, you need that love, you need that mercy, and you want to make a decision today, I pray, Lord, that you would start that work in the people, Lord, today, Lord, that you would start the work in their heart, Lord. And if that's you, come up for prayer. We would love to pray for you. We would love for, to talk to you about what, who Jesus is and what he, the work he will continue to do in your life. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everyone would leave here, Lord, with a lot of vision, a lot of just, just purpose, Lord, knowing what they are called to do, Lord, in their individual life, from their family life to their extended family life, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to do the work that you started in us, Lord. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Have a blessed week. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.